Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the Res Life Big Rapids podcast. We're glad you found us, and we hope this message helps shape you into something that looks like Christ. Now let's listen in. How's everybody this morning? Not as good as me. This is a comfortable chair right here. Uh, obviously, I've got some different chairs on stage I'm going to talk about during my message, but uh, I did this first service, and uh, I'm, it's kind of rhetorical, but how many people would be freaked out if I asked you to come sit in this chair for the whole message? Well, I, you would be. All right, well, one first. I, I said, who wants to come sit up in this chair the whole time? It's way more comfortable than your seat, but you have to stare out at everybody the whole time, and not one hand went up. You know, people are more afraid to stand up in front of people than to die. Did you know that? That public speaking ranks higher on the I don't want to list than death. So anyway, apparently I faced death in the face. <laughs> anyway, uh, you, you guys have noticed that our video is like getting longer and longer. It's because we're going into the season where we have so many things going on here at church. We've got, we've got like basically something almost every night of the week that you can come and be part of, join in the family and grow in your relationship with God. And so... Uh, it, the, the reason that that video is so long is because we want to make sure we're getting information out to you in, in front of you so that you know how you can plug in here. So uh, what I'm also going to do is encourage you at this moment, don't get your cell phone out, but go on Facebook on your cell phone and like Resurrection Life Church of Big Rapids. And then when we post things about upcoming events and things that are going on, you will, you will be sure because you look at Facebook every day, like, like 25 times or more. And so if you, well, most of you. And uh, uh, so anyway, you, oh, my screen's turning on by itself. And, and so anyway, you can be plugged into what's going on here all the time, and maybe we can shorten the no video up just a little bit. So anyway, I'm looking forward to today. Um, I'm looking forward to changing gears and getting a new focus um, on, for the next couple weeks before we get to the Christmas season. How many of you know that Jesus is the reason for the season, right? <laughs> I say that kind of like like funny, but but it is that is how it is. It's just that's not how a lot of us have lived over the last number of years. But I think you know one of the things we've done over the last well over all the summer and into the fall is we've talked about you. We've talked about your purpose, about what God wants to do with you, how you need to change, what you need to adjust, and all these different things in order to line up with what God's plan is for your life. And so for the next four or five weeks before we get to the Christmas season, we're going to change gears and we're going to start talking about who God is. Okay? Because I think in order for us to have a great relationship with the Lord, we have to know who we're dating, right? Right? We have to know who we're in a relationship with. And so we're going to talk about things like the Trinity. How many people have heard that word before? I know it's not in the Bible, but the Bible clearly lays out that there are three distinct parts to God. In the, in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, we learn about God the Father, the Creator, right? The guy who formed the Garden of Eden and all, the earth, all of earth and all of the heavens and, and who, who led his people, the Israelites. We learn about this guy, God the Father. And then we get to the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we learn about this guy named Jesus, God's son, and, and also your brother, by the way. And so, so Jesus comes on the scene, and he changes the whole situation. 
but he's part of who God is, and we need to know who Jesus is. And then in the rest of the New Testament, we really learn about uh, the Holy Spirit, which is this spiritual part of God that is here on earth with us today, and it's important that we know who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in our lives. So we're going to talk about all these things and much more um, over the next four or five weeks leading into Christmas, because Jesus is the reason for the season. We should know who Jesus is. If we're going to celebrate him, let's know who he is, right? So before I get into my message, though... I want to talk about the election. <laughs> wah, wah, right? Whew. Obviously, I'm not going to get up here and I'm not, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for because that would be unethical and illegal, by the way. And so I wouldn't do that anyway. And, but over the last few months, I've made quite a few jabs and jokes about Hillary and Donald. It's not that hard to do. And, uh, and, and I know that this race has been kind of a joke to a lot of people, but the reality is, is that this week it is no longer a joke, people. It is very, very serious business. And, and I want to encourage you to get out there and to vote on Tuesday. Your vote matters. Um, <clears throat> I heard an analogy from somebody actually this morning. We were talking about, um, about how many people in the United States actually vote, and it's very few. You think like you think it's a lot. It's not. Very few people vote, and your vote matters. Back in the, I, I heard this too. That back in the the Gore Bush election in Florida, in each one of the precincts, many of them came down to one vote, one way or the other. Your vote here counts. And so you need to get out there on Tuesday and vote. And if you're wondering about the, the election and who you should vote for, things like that, obviously I'm not going to tell you, but um, we have provided out in the foyer at the Celebrate Recovery table on the right side of the foyer and at the welcome uh, counter in the, in the left wing of the foyer out there, we've got these sheets that break down, they're, they're unbiased, they just break down the major issues and what, what each candidate uh, believes or their stances on each one of those issues. You should know those things. The other thing is, is because, uh, because Hillary and Trump have been, taken so much attention in, in the political limelight, many of us have forgotten that we actually have to elect people for our state on Tuesday too, and that they all have different stances and different points of view, and that it's important that you know who those people are and what their situation is. And so I will say this, before Tuesday, if you're of voting age, you need to make sure you register. But um, you need to maybe set aside some of the things you've seen in the media, and you need to pray about it. You need to pray about who the Lord is telling you to vote for. And I don't care who God tells you to vote for. He is in control. We just sang that song, He's the Lion and the Lamb. That Who can stand against Him? Who can, who can stop the Lord Almighty? No one. right? But He needs you. And he needs you in order to carry out the purpose and the plan that he has on this, on this earth, in this place, so his kingdom can come and his will can be done. He needs you. So I would encourage you, before Tuesday, make sure you pray. Make sure you spend time in, in your prayer closet or wherever, in your car, praying to God and saying, okay, Lord, what should I do? Where should I go? How should I vote? And then you need to do that. Because the truth is, you need to know in your heart that you're, you're doing what God has led you to do. Okay? All right, we're going to do that, and, and I'm going to pray real quick. I'm going to pray over the, the service, but also over the election this week, and, uh, and just prepare us for what's coming. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day. 
I thank you for uh, each and every person who's in this room. Thank you that we get to worship together and that we serve a God who is almighty, who is all-powerful, and who is in control. And Lord, I just pray that as we get prepared for this election on Tuesday, that you will lead us and you will guide us to make the choice that you want, Lord, not the choice that the media wants, not the choice that, that our own desires want, Lord, but, but Lord, I just pray you lead and guide us, that we will make the right choice for you, for your kingdom. Lord, on top of that, I just pray today as we get into your word, that you will reveal to us maybe a new view of who you are a new understanding of, of our relationship with you and how much you truly do love us and care for us. Lord, just, uh, just lead this message and lead this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so everybody, big breath in, big breath out. Forget politics. We're going to go back to the message, all right? So, uh, so today I want to start talking about this, this guy we call God, the three parts, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And, and I want to start out and do this kind of methodically where we start out talking about one section of who God is and work our way through. So today, I want to talk about God the Father. God the Father. Okay, so when we started talking as a staff about things we think of, when we think of the word father or dad, um, a bunch of people said, a lazy boy recliner. How many people have a dad chair in their house? Look at that, quite a few people. Okay, maybe you remember that your dad had his chair. And, and so we thought, you know what? We could probably illustrate different types of fathers and the way that we view God with these different chairs. And so that's why I have these chairs up here, and I'll talk about them in, in just a second. But before I get there, um, the reason that we have them here, and, the, and it's not Father's Day, but we should be talking about this on Father's Day, is, is because when we hear the word Father, God the Father, Many of us have not had just peachy relationships with our dads that are just so great. Many of us have had rough, rocky roads with our fathers, or as a father we have. And so when we hear God the Father, often we associate that, that part of God with a worldly dad who maybe didn't, didn't stand up for what a father should be. Right? So it's important that we look at this and that, that we, we break these things down so that we can really see who God is and who Father God is. So anyway, I'm going to get into these chairs and move this out of the way so that, uh, so that those of you who need to can see. And uh, So anyway, how many people have seen chairs like this before in their life? All right, great. Anyway, so you know in general what these are. This chair, you know, a lot of dads, they have, they have a lazy boy or a chair that they sit in. You know, you should not sit in this chair if you know dad is coming to the chair because as soon as he gets in the living room, he's going to go, get out. <laughs> and, and you're going to have to get out. So, but anyway, this chair, um, I don't know what it is about old guys and chairs like this. No offense, old guys, but Paul is old. And... Uh, and <laughs> Not only that, but his chair, his, this chair came from Paul's office. Who has a lazy boy in their office? I want a lazy boy in my office. Anyway, I've never walked in and seen Paul like this. But I've heard it's happened. <laughs> so anyway, uh, lazy boy, super comfy. Amazing, you know, a lot, of, a lot of guys, you know, their wives are like, it, it's like the arms are wearing out and their wives are like, you need to get rid of that chair. And they're like, are you crazy? You know how many times I've watched the lions lose in this chair? <laughs> and if I got rid of the chair, the lions might win. So 
But anyway, when I think about dads, and when you think about your dad or a father, and you think about this kind of chair, what kind of dad is that? What kind of, what kind of dad is he? And so I want to look at this today kind of from the eyes of a child. So I think of the recliner as comfort, right? It's a comfortable dad. It's a dad who's present, who's there. Because, you know, in, in culture has changed so much nowadays that this isn't, this isn't the norm. But, but it seems like, you know, years ago, not that many years ago, like this was a norm in the house. Dad would come home from work. He'd change or whatever. He'd come and he'd flop down on his recliner and he would, he would get comfortable. And you know what? That's a great thing to have a dad who's present, who's there. Who's, who's with his family, who's with his kids. But there's a flip side to the chair. I mean, it's comfortable, and it's sometimes really nice. You know, if, when you were a little kid, maybe you remember climbing in next to Dad in this little spot here. He put his arm around you. But, but, but how many times did you go into the living room and see Dad like this? And you realize that even though Dad was there, Dad wasn't there. Like you wanted him to get up and go rake the leaves because you'd never rake them on your own so that you can jump in the pile. But you walk into the living room and you see that dad is, is falling asleep. So some people view their dad that way. Like he's a great dad. My, boy, my dad was a great dad and he was always there, but. And this is the reality of earthly father. Anyway, so then we got this chair, this beauty right here. How many people still have a chair like this at home? few people, right? They're moving on from these people. Now you get the fold-up Coleman. You can throw four of them on your shoulder like a backpack and go anywhere you want. Anyway, these ones are clunky. And you know, you remember the time when you sat down on this thing and it blew right out on you? <laughs> then you're stuck between this little frame, legs up in the air. What is this? Anyway, uh, this lawn chair, also known as a, as a sports chair, you would carry this to your kid's uh, to your kid's sports game and plop it down. It's always a little uneven. Something ends up getting bent. Anyway, and uh, so when I think of this chair, I think of this, uh, this as like the, the supporter dad, the coach dad. Anybody have a coach dad in this place? Dad who coached him in sports or encouraged him in sports. My dad was this way. He, he like, I think he lived his sports life vicarious. I'm afraid it's going to break. Uh, <laughs> I'm big, but come on. It's a little wobbly. And, uh, and my dad maybe like lived his sports career through me vicariously. Uh, and, and so, so, but this, this is the kind of dad that's an encourager. And, and he wants to see his kids perform and be, and be great. And not just go out and do it, but be awesome. Um, we, have, we have five kids. And, and when our oldest was four and a half, he said he wanted to join soccer. And we're like, I'm like, I don't love soccer, but okay. I will go and I will support. I'm not a huge soccer fan. It's all right. Somebody looked at me like, what? And, and so anyway, I'm like, my kid, cool. I get to be the dad who brings the chairs and sits on the sideline and cheers him on. So we go to soccer on the first day. And, and the coach lines everybody up. And I quickly found out that my son literally does not care. <laughs> they line him up. And he blows his whistle, and they got to kick the ball across the field, and then kick the ball back. He kicks the ball five times. He lays down in the grass and starts doing snow angels, grass angels. And he's just having a great old time. And I'm on the side like, come on, kid, get up, kick the ball. That girl just kicked it past you. Like, what is going on here? He's four and a half, you know. And, and so, so anyway, then, then he's got to poop. And so... 
so he, we got to take him to the porta john, and he has his first experience with a porta potty, and and like I'm like this is terrible. He comes out and his eyes are this big with excitement about how cool the porta potty is. <laughs> so every time we go to soccer after that, we he play for about five minutes, ten minutes, and then he go I gotta go to the porta potty. Go in the porta potty, and he would sit in there for the rest of the forty minutes of the soccer game. So we quit. Forget it. I'm like, I'm not going to watch a green box. Like, that's not what I'm here for. So like, but, but it's good to have a dad who's an encourager, a dad who wants to see you be your best. And so many of us know and remember our dads being that, being an encourager. But on the other side, sometimes it can go too far. Sometimes a dad can take it so far that if you don't achieve, you don't stack up and you're not a good enough kid. Many of us have faced that in our lives where we got to a point where dad just was disappointed because we couldn't do what dad wanted us to do. So anyway, the next chair, this one, this, this could be a good chair to some and a bad chair. Anybody have a chair like this in their home or in their office maybe, okay? So I think that the office chair gets, gets a bad rap, right? Because when you think of the chair, you immediately think he's going to say workaholic. And I am. But, uh, but anyway, <laughs> this is Joey, the worship leader's new chair, so don't say anything to him. Uh, oh, he's right there. Dang it. <laughs> so... So this chair often gets a bad rap because when we think of dad sitting in this chair, we think of dad working and dad's too busy for you. Dad's got too much going on. But there's another side of this chair that, that we as children have to understand is that dad, dads want to be providers. And this chair also, it also stands for provision and for the effort that goes into making sure that you're provided for. And so it, it's really like a double-edged sword. It's a great chair because it brings great things to your family, but it's a bad chair because you also immediately think of dad's not home because work has become too important, more important than me. So <clears throat> the last chair, oh, my shoe's untied. I'm going to talk about this next chair while I tie my shoe. This, uh, this next chair, it's kind of a scary one, isn't it? See what's hanging over it? So here's the chair, and on the chair is a belt. Anybody ever been spanked before in your life? Did you deserve it? Let's be honest, okay. Like, this chair actually to me, this chair actually to me is probably how I see my dad more than any, any dad. And I don't mean it in a bad way. Anybody ever, like this, this kind of chair, of course, this isn't like an, I, probably an antique, uh, but this, this is, you know, like a wooden chair that you may see around a dining room table or something like that. How many people, when you grew up, you, you had dinner as a family almost every night of the week, sat around the table? Look around, hold your hands up high. This is a dying thing in the United States today. No longer is family important. 
Everything else becomes more important. Sports on, on Sundays become more important than church. Sports on weekdays, work, everything else becomes more important than family, than being together as your family. I remember growing up, we all had our own chairs, wood chairs, a little bigger than this, but like this. And, and dad always had his spot, and I had mine, and you know, everybody had their assigned seats. And if you didn't sit in the assigned seats, like it was like there was going to be a fight, that's my seat. It's identical to the one across the table. I don't care, it's my seat. So I remember more than anything, my dad had his seat at the table. And when I think of this kind of chair, I don't think about just discipline, which I'll get to, but I think about leadership. I think about leadership. I think about my dad being at the head of the table, being the leader of our family, being a man who, who he really t- took pride in who his family was, and he wanted to see them succeed. Exactly. <laughs> and I put the belt here because... In that, in being a leader and being a director of the family, often discipline came in, into play, and Dad often was the disciplinarian. Now, obviously, discipline can, can get out of hand, as it does in some places, and that's, that's maybe the bad side to the chair and to the belt, is that maybe discipline gets to the point where it's not about honoring Dad or becoming righteous or, or making the right choices. It's more about power and Dad's power. And, and the chair, for you, maybe signifies a dictatorship where you have no control and dad had all control. So why am I talking about these chairs today? Like, what's the point? Why, why did I take all that time to, to talk about dads in, in, in these chairs? Well, because the Bible tells us that we are supposed to have a relationship with God. That we are supposed to have a relationship. And, and like, what does that even mean? How do you have a relationship with somebody you can't see? How do you have a relationship with the air, if you will? It, but... The Bible is full of all this stuff that talks about Father God, but, but often our, our personal experience trumps what we read in the Word. And we give our personal experience of what our fathers were or weren't, we give that more weight than what the Bible says God the Father is. And, and so I want to I go through these, these and talk about the attributes of God. The thing is, is like the, the term father is supposed to be one of endearment, of joy, of happiness, of security, of protection, of provision. I mean, I could go on and on. But, but, but because of sin, because of the world, because of our circumstances, the word father doesn't mean that anymore. So I want to use the chairs to talk about God. The reality is that God the Father exemplifies all the good things and none of the bad things. But let's, let's break it down. So the first one is the lazy boy, the recliner chair, the comfortable father. Do you know like relationship with God is supposed to be like comfortable? You should be, like there's scriptures, there's all kinds of scriptures about being like under the shadow of his wings and he's there to protect you and he'll never leave you and all these different things. There's tons of scriptures about that stuff. So there should be a security in knowing that God is with you all the time. Say, God is with me all the time. God is present and he cares for you. And, and the beautiful thing about it is he never falls asleep on the job, right? You never Go to God and see him with his mouth open, you know, eyes closed, looking up at the ceiling. Instead, God is always there. He's by your side, no matter where you've been. Uh, there's a good scripture that, that, 
that kind of exemplifies this. It's Psalms 139.7. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If you today feel like you are, you are lost and, and that, that God's not there, I want to encourage you that he is right there with you in this moment, right now. No matter, like the scripture says, no matter where you are, he is with you and he, and he will never leave you. God cares about you and he wants, he wants to be with you. That's sometimes a hard thing for us to understand is that God wants to be with us. It's not that he needs to, it's that he wants to. It also says that he's the beginning and the end and that he, he wants to be there with you through it all. Uh, the second chair is the sports chair, the coach father. The, the, I, do you know, I actually know people who call their dad coach, like their own dad, because that's what he's been their whole life, just a coach. Not that just a coach is a bad thing, but they call their, their dad coach. And, and God is an encourager. Did you know that? Like if we, last week I talked about Moses. How many people have heard the, the story of Moses leading the people out of Egypt? And I like to, you know, bring these stories back to recollection. Last week I talked about, uh, you know, God and Moses and all these different things. And anyway, so God, you, do you know Moses had some problems? And when God confronted Moses about being the guy who would lead him out, Moses wasn't sure about it. Did you know that? What was it that Moses had that was really hard to, do you remember? Speech. He had a speech impediment. And so Moses didn't think he was good enough to speak for God. But every time he would go back to God, every time he would leave Egypt and go out and meet with God, God would encourage him that he could do this. God would say, no, you're my man. Go out there and do it. You can make it happen. God wants to say to you, no matter where you are in your situation, that, that you can make it happen. That you can make it. That, that you have inside you, he built it in, the ability to come out of the situation you're in and be successful. You can. He's, he's an encourager. The, the scriptures are full of it. If you go into the Old Testament and read the stories of God and people, you see that he constantly, constantly is encouraging them. He comes to Abraham and Sarah and says, I know that you're barren and that you're old and it's, been, and you, and it's impossible for you to have a kid, but I'm the God of the impossible and I'm going to encourage you that not only are you going to have a child, but your, your offspring are going to number like the stars in the sky, like the sand on the seashore. I'm in, he's encouraging them that they can do it, they can make it, and that they're going to make a difference. And God wants you to know that you can make a difference, but you have to trust in his encouragement. You have to trust in his words. It says this in Matthew 6. Oh, wait, not, not in 2 Thessalonians 2.16. It says, may our Lord Jesus Christ, now we're not talking about Jesus today, and God our Father, now it's talking about God, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal what? Encouragement and good hope. May he encourage your, your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and every word. You know, he wants you to succeed. God wants you to succeed. If you're in a bad situation, God didn't put you there. He wants you to succeed and get out of there. The, the next chair is the office chair, and I mentioned uh, that, that that's a chair to me that, that says provider, 
and, and a working father. You guys ever see uh, Bruce Almighty? You ever see the movie Bruce Almighty? You remember when, when Bruce uh, gets, now he like takes on the role of God, right? God the Father. And, and he's sitting in his den at his computer chair and he rolls it up to the computer and he goes, you got mail, bling, bling, bling. You got mail, you got mail, you got mail, you got mail. You got mail. He's like, and, and all of these, every prayer request of every person in the world is, is flowing into his computer and it's like, mailbox is full. And he's like, no, he's freaking out. Like, if you think about how, how hard God probably works up in heaven, he hears every one of your prayers, every one of my prayers, and then he takes those prayers. He, he doesn't neglect them. He looks at them. He listens to them, and he moves according to his will and according to those prayers. Like, that is a hard-working man. You know that old song? I'm a hard-working man. You know that one? <laughs> like, it's okay, kids. Anyway, that's not rock country. That's regular country. Um, but... Uh, he, God, God works hard. You know, it says, in, it says, I won't quote the scripture basically, but it says uh, that he takes everything and works it for the good of those who love him. Works it for the good. God is a hardworking father who is working on your behalf because he loves you. God, uh, the, this is also the provision share. God is the provider. It says in Matthew 6, 31, it says, So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, or the unbelievers, run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Say, he knows, he knows. What, I what I need. Say it again. He knows, he knows. What, I need. what I need. God knows where you're at. He knows what you need. And he wants to provide those things for you. It says, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. How many know that God is our provider? That was pretty weak. See, here's the thing. This is where I think the problem lies. Is we, we struggle with trusting God. We, we struggle trusting that he will provide for us that he is with us, that he desires us. We, we struggle with these things. I think about it this way, like my kids, you know, you know, when your parents made some food that you did not want to eat, they were trying to provide for you. Nobody likes to eat Brussels sprouts, okay? So if your kids say no to those, just understand. Like the other day, sometimes we are, we are provided for, but we don't, we don't want, want the food. Like the other day, my wife got this great idea. She saw this thing on Pinterest. It was making chicken wings out of cauliflower. It tasted like cauliflower. I didn't want to eat cauliflower. I was like, sure, I'll try it. Mmm, thanks, hon. That was great. It was terrible. And... and and, and I'm thinking, like, if we do this with our kids. We make this great big meal, and we put, it, we put it out on the table in front of them. We go, here's your dinner, and they're like, we don't want that. Or, or you, that you're, that you're going to pour them a glass of juice, and they want juice. And you're like, well, here, let me pour it for you. And they're, like, grabbing onto the glass. But, you know, my, I don't know why we have glass things in our house. And, and you're like, fighting with the kid. Who's going to pour the glass? And, you know, they're like, we want to, but we want to pour it. And I'm like, no. And, and, and because if you pour it, you're going to spill it all over the place. And there will be none left for any of your brothers and sisters. And then they will come to me. Let me just pour it. 
and there will be enough for everybody. This is how we are with God. So often we say we want him to provide, but when he done puts the plate before us, we say, I don't really want that. Or I want to make it on my own. Or I want to grill cheese, not peanut butter. Like, he's, you know that God is constantly trying to provide for you, but often you and I, we don't allow him to provide for us. We want to do it on our own. This is a fundamental problem to our faith because we don't, we're not fully trusting in him. We need to trust. We need to trust in him. The last one is the wooden chair, and I think this is the scariest one. Because we read in the Old Testament about God the Father being pretty mean, like really hitting people hard, right? But he's the leader, right? He's trying to lead his people. We read all these stories about how he's leading the Israelites and they're following him, and then they get off track, and then he, he basically has to do something in order to try to get them back on track. Now, the Old Testament, of course, Jesus isn't there. Grace hasn't come in place uh, of our sin, and that's next week. We'll talk about that. But, but, but God, God has got to be a disciplinarian and, and redirect your path. Think about it this way. Have you ever been bumper bowling? Okay, a few of you. It's a great thing. Sometimes when I go bowling, I claim I have my kids with me just so they'll put the bumpers up. Because bumper bowling, it really is a great depiction of discipline when done correctly. Because the ball is rolling on the surface, on the floor where it's supposed to be, hopefully, going down the lane. And when the ball is in danger of falling into the gutter on the side and and causing no score or lack of success, the bumper just gently guides the ball back into the playing field. Now, it happens occasionally that, that the ball still misses the pins completely, but for the most part, it always leads to success. That's, the, that's what discipline is supposed to be. Fathers that you're here today talking about discipline in your own home, it's supposed to be a gentle direction. Now, sometimes it takes, well, I wouldn't use a belt, but, uh, but sometimes it takes, it takes discipline and takes, takes direction in that way. Sometimes it doesn't. It needs to be done healthy and not out of control. Fathers, this is a side note. It's not in my message, but you are a direct example to God the Father for your kids. So what kind of God the Father do you want to teach them about? But discipline's important. It's good. It says this. I, I like this. Um, it says that Isaiah 41 says, So do not fear, talking about God, for I am with you. Do not dis- be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Think about it this way. Discipline done correctly is a guide to becoming righteous. I'll say it again. Discipline done correctly is a guide to becoming righteous. The whole point of discipline should be to teach you or to teach your children how to live a righteous life that God would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what discipline is all about. And that's what God's direction and discipline is all about in the same, in the same way. He wants you to be righteous. But we have to trust him. There's kind of a recurring theme here. So I'm going to finish up with this. There's a chair that's not up on the stage today. And it's not up here for a reason. It's because it's it's what I would call the missing chair. 
It's the absent or father who the absent father or the father who has abandoned his kids. For some of you here today, you don't relate to any one of these chairs up here because your dad was never there. And you feel abandoned. You feel like you don't matter because your dad made you feel that way. And if, if this is you, often these people or you, it is hardest for you to relate to God the Father and see him as a God who loves you so much because you have no idea what a father is supposed to be. This is, this is really difficult. And, and so today, for those of you who have experienced this, trusting God, Father God can seem impossible, but I want to tell you that he loves you and that he is a father that you can trust. I want to read you a scripture about Father God. It says in Deuteronomy 31.6, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, them being your enemies. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor what? Forsake you. See, that's one of the most common scriptures that we've, you've heard. You've heard, he will never leave you nor forsake you. I probably could have not even had it on the screen and could have said, he will never leave you nor, and you would have said the word forsake. But many of you don't know, and many, a lot of pastors don't even know because they haven't looked, at what the word forsake means. If you look up the word forsake in the dictionary, it literally means the word abandon. He will never leave you nor abandon you. God directly comes at this as God the Father and says, listen, I know that some of you have been abandoned, but I will never, never abandon you. So if you felt alone, he wants to be there. He wants to be your comforter. He wants to be present in your life. He wants to encourage you through every situation you face. He is working on your behalf each and every day. And he hears your prayers. And he wants to guide you and be the leader of your life. But most of all, he will never abandon you or give up on you. It says in John 3.16, you know this one. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Say condemn. Amen. But to save the world. Say save. save. To save the world through him. Next week we're going to talk about Jesus and about how God, the loving Father, who will never give up on you, made the greatest sacrifice so that you could be saved, so that you could live, because your life matters to him, and he wants a relationship with you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for each person here. I thank you that you are a good, good father, like we sang in the service today. That we can sing those words and we can believe and trust in the truth of those words, that you are a good father who loves us who wants to be there for us, who wants to encourage us, who works on our behalf, who wants to lead us and guide us and who will never leave us. Lord, we are grateful. And I just pray today that the people in this room that needed to hear about God the Father, that they begun, have begun to understand who God is in a different way, in a way of love and trust. And I pray today for those of you that 
that have struggled with this, that today you would begin to give God some of your trust so that he can fulfill it and he can help you grow. If you're here today with everybody's eyes closed and you, you've you never had a relationship with God before, you have, have never said I'm saved or, or chosen to live for God, any of those things that you may have heard it said in different ways, if today you want to live for him and you want to become part of his family, you want to know you're going to heaven, you want to live for the purpose that I've been talking about all summer and fall long, you want to know that you have a relationship with a father who loves you beyond everything else. If that's you today and you want to make that choice to make God your Lord and Savior, just slip your hand up right where you're at. Is there anybody who wants to make a choice for Jesus today, a choice to live for him? Father, I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, you know where each one of us is at in our walk with you and our relationship with you. And I pray that as we go through these next couple weeks leading up to the celebration of the birth of your son, Lord, I just pray that you help us to understand who you are so much more clearly. Bring our relationship with you to life as we learn about you and as we live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can check us out online at rlcbr.org. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in the iTunes store or your podcast feed. We love you, and remember to always reach up, reach in, and reach out. Have a great week.